Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1 and uh, meet me at verse 2. James chapter 1 verse 2. Thank you so much musicians. I appreciate your anointing. I sense the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much. want to welcome everybody in the house today as well as virtually watching with us. Welcome one that's going to watch the replay as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're in your car, wherever you are. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to dive into some content today and extend what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And to take a look at verse 2, James chapter 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so over the last several weeks, we've been talking about James, the disciple, who is also the brother of Jesus. James is the half-brother of Jesus, same mother, and he has told us that Jesus is his Lord, and he is letting us know that when we enter into various trials, that word various means different, without reason, don't worry about the origin, don't worry about how it came about, it's just a trial. When we enter into various trials, we are to count it all joy. That means that we are to not disregard joy when we are in the middle of a challenge, of a bad situation, of a test, of a trial, of a circumstance, whatever it might be, we are to count it all joy. We are to remember joy. We are to include joy. We are not to disregard joy because joy is unaffected by external circumstances. Joy is strength. Joy is strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so joy is strength, and joy is the strength that gives us the ability to endure throughout any circumstance, throughout any trial, throughout any trial or situation. You better have joy operating on the inside of you if you're going to overcome challenges and overcome testing. And James is telling us, don't disregard joy. Count it all joy when you go through these things, knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce something. And when you know something, you know something. It's like, I, I like to use the illustration, the example of a movie. Stacey and I like to watch the same movies over and over. If they're funny, we just watch them because they're funny. And we know what's coming next. And we laugh every single time. We know what's coming next and we laugh because we know what's coming next. When you're in a trial, challenge situation, you ought to know that it's going to test you but it's going to produce something in you that you cannot get by prayer alone. You cannot get patience by prayer alone. You can only get patience by testing. If you want to be more patient, and that's a mature man or woman, we should want to be more patient. It comes through experience, and experience comes through testing. And so if we're going to develop patience and be complete, lacking nothing in life, Understand that there's going to be tests that take place that will produce, will employ in our life 
patience. And we, we got to have patience because patience will cause us to be complete. Patience will call us to lack nothing. And Hebrews tells us it's faith and patience that's going to inherit the promises of God. In order to be mature, it's going to require patience. Now, on Wednesday night at our midweek booth, we talked about what is really being tested. I know your faith is being tested because it says here the testing of your faith is going to produce patience. But what is really being tested and what's actually being tested is, is time. Time is actually testing your faith because your faith says, I believe, I believe. And time's saying, what's taking so long? I believe God, what's taking so long? So what is testing you is actually time. So you're in the midst of a trial, a challenge, a, a circumstance, a situation, and it, you, you feel like you're right in the middle of it and you feel like I can't <laughs> seem to get through it. What is testing you? Time is testing you. And time is testing your belief to see if you're going to still continue to believe. Because what time wants to do is cause you to stop believing. And there are millions of people who have stopped believing. You have talked to these people. They've fallen away from what they've known before. They've fallen away from the truth of the gospel. They've fallen away because of a test or a trial or an experience, and they stop believing, and therefore the testing of their faith caused them to stop. But if you and I will continue, the testing of our faith will cause us to endure, to have stamina despite fatigue and everything else that's taking place, the testing of our faith is going to produce patience. And this is what James tells us. Now, turn the page over a couple pages to 1 Peter chapter 1, and meet me at verse 6, and we're going to see what the apostle Peter says about this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. Somebody shout, I believe. believe. In verse 6, it says, "In in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus, whom having not seen you love, though you do not see him yet believing, You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. Now, I want to pause there and I want to digress. Saying the same thing James is saying, just in different terminology. Peter is saying here in verse 6 that there is a testing of your faith, but you've been grieved by various trials. You have been saddened by these trials, but there is a testing going on, and it's being tested by fire. But I like what he says in verse 7, so that the praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, that simply means the second coming of Jesus. So you're being tested, and if you hold on, you're going to see the second coming of Jesus. Now, a footnote, in context... Anytime we see testing in Scripture, they were being tested because of their faith in Jesus. They were believing an invisible God, right? And, and you know, other people's gods had statues and images. They were believing an invisible God, and they were believing that their God was going to come back and get them in their day. And so their faith is being tested 
regarding is your God really going to return? So they had ample opportunity to quit all the time because their belief in Jesus was being tested. Now, we live in America, and we don't always have that being tested. Matter of fact, America feels like we're a Christian nation. Matter of fact, I read a stat recently that 80% of Congress says they're Christian. Now, do you believe that? No. However, I digress. All right. And so, I digress. So, what Peter is saying here is, hold on, you're being tested, but the revelation of Jesus Christ or the second coming of Jesus is near. In verse 8, he says, I love it. He says, having not seen you love, though you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. He's basically saying, you've never seen him, but you still love him. You've never seen him, but you still continue. You've never seen him, but you're still going. You're still plowing. You're still plugging. You're still moving forward. You've never seen him. And you remember what Jesus told Thomas, right? Blessed are them that believe and don't see. And so these people, you and I, are believing, yet we don't see, but there is an expressible, inexpressible joy in believing even though we don't see. Uh, side note, James chapter 1 verse 12 says, blessed is the man that endures temptation. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. James says that. That word blessed is the uncanny, innate ability to overcome adversity. Let me say it again. The uncanny, innate ability to overcome adversity. So blessed is the man that endures in adversity. But I, some of you thought, what if you're blessed? You don't have any problems, right? <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's buffoonery. No. <laughs> uh, if blessed people have problems, they just have the ability to overcome them. And so it's the problem that determines whether you're blessed or not. Are you listening to me? It's the circumstance, the situation that's going to determine, are you going to operate in the blessing of the Lord or are you not going to? And so blessed is the man that endures temptation. And Peter tells us here that if we hold on and continue to believe, even though we don't see, let's look at verse 9. It'll be on the screen. Look at verse 9. It says, and read it with me receiving the end of your faith. Now, I need everybody to open up their mouth and read this with me. Receiving the end of your faith. That's what I want to talk about today. Receiving the end of your faith. The end of your faith is the manifestation of what you are believing for. Now, in context, the end of their faith was the second coming of Jesus. The end of your faith in whatever you're dealing with is receiving what you are believing God for. If I had some honest people in here, how many of you have been believing God for some things for a long period of time? I mean, if you're being honest, you've been believing. Every, every hand up should be up. We've been believing God for some things for a long period of time. And Peter says that we're going to receive the end of our faith. That's a glorious statement right there, that you are going to see the end of your faith. Now watch this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. And this is the disciple Matthew giving us an account 
of Peter, consequently. And we're going to read from 22 through 32. Give me three hallelujahs. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm, going, I'm putting the garment of praise on you this morning. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And Peter had come down out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, I want to give you some background in this story as we dive into new content today. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was just executed, beheaded, dead, gone in a, in a dramatic fashion. So imagine how Jesus feels at this moment. His first cousin, his head got cut off. Okay, that's, that's not, a good, it's not a good sign, right? Not a good feeling, not a good day. And then in response, Jesus feeds the 5,000. So in retaliation to what the devil did, he said, look, devil, I'm going to feed these people and I'm going to work the works of God right after it. But imagine Jesus is still in his humanity, so he is physically tired. And so because he's physically tired, he, tell, he commands actually the disciples, hey, y'all get into the boat because the people were trying to make him a king. He didn't, he, that wasn't the reason why he came to be a physical king on the earth. We need to get away from these people. Y'all get in the boat. Jesus went to the mountain to pray. And now they're in the boat. It's about anywhere between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning now. The wind is blowing. The waves are going, beating up against the boat. The boat is boisterous throughout in the sea. And here comes Jesus coming down from the mountain, and he walks on the water to the boat. Now, as he is walking on the water to the boat, the disciples immediately scream. Now, if I was in the boat, I would have been the loudest person screaming. I'm going to let you know, if I saw someone walking, I would have screamed. I would have let out a sound you have never heard me make in my entire life. That would have freaked me completely out. But here, 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 here they are. They're in the boat. The wind's going, the waves. Jesus is walking on the water. They scream. Jesus stops them and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, guys. Be of good cheer or maintain your joy. Don't be afraid. Maintain your joy. Be of good cheer. It is me. Now, Peter says something that I think is foolishness. Why wouldn't, why would Peter say, if it is you, bid me to come to you? Why wouldn't he just say, if it's you, what's my last name? 
right? If it's you, Jesus, when's my birthday? You know, if it's you, Jesus, what's the name of my wife? Whatever the case may be. Instead, he says, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come. Now, sometimes throughout tests and trials, you can put yourself in a test or a trial. Did you hear me? Your mouth can get you in trouble and put you in your own test or trial. You want to blame the devil? I know, oh, it's the devil. It's your mouth. It's not the devil. It's your mouth that puts you in that test and trial. And so Peter has an opportunity now that his mouth put him in a predicament, right? If it bid you, if it be you, bid me to come. Now, why would Peter even muster up something like that? Well, I submit to you that Peter mustered that something up like that because he had been with Jesus for at three years. I mean, Jesus had been with these disciples for three years, three and a half years, every single day. And one of the main things Jesus had been telling them is, you can do what I can do. This is the main message of the kingdom. You can do what I can do. You can go lay hands on the sick and they shall be clean. You can go and pray for people and they will be taken care of. You can also speak to fish and loaves and they can multiply. Whatever I can do, I'm telling you, you can do too. And religion has told us that Jesus did all of these miracles in his divinity. But that's not true. Jesus did all of these miracles in his humanity, being a man filled with the Spirit of God. The only thing Jesus did in his divinity was get on the cross for you and I. Nobody could do that. Nobody could do that for us. Only Jesus could get on that cross, take away all of our sin, and set us free from the curse, and give us a direct, one-way, nonstop flight to heaven when we depart this earth. Glory to God. Only Jesus could do that. Now, so Peter's been hearing this for years. You can do what I can do. You can do what I can do. Well, Jesus, you're walking on the water. You've been telling me for years. You can do what I can do. If it's you, then tell me to come walk on this water. Well, what Jesus supposed to say? Well, it ain't me. It ain't me, y'all. I tricked you. Or, oh, you know, Peter, you're taking this a little too far. Taking my teaching, that's a little extreme. What is Jesus supposed to say? I mean, Peter put him on the spot. He says what he's supposed to say. Come. Come. So Peter does something that I would have never done, okay? I, I am not getting out that boat. And many of y'all know how I feel about water. I'm definitely not getting out the boat. And, but Peter, um, Peter steps out the boat, man. He, he steps out and he begins to walk. And what we, the scriptures say that he walked on the water. And you'll see some people today that do some foolish things trying to get out and walk on water. I know people that have literally tried to get out and walk on they, in the, they pool. So I'm going to walk on the water. Peter did, and I'm going to do it too. Now, did Peter walk on water? Yes. But what did Peter really walk on? He walked on Jesus' word, come. This is the difference. You can't just get out there and start walking. You got to have a word from God. And so Jesus gave him a word, come. So Peter is walking on the word, C-O-M-E. He's walking on the word, come. Come. The, the water became a firm foundation because he had a word from God. When you have a word from God, you can do impossible things. When you have a word from God, nothing shall be limited to you. 
When you have a word from God, that should be enough to keep you going and to keep you going and to keep you going. But what happens is you do get a word from God and the enemy, like the enemy told Eve, did God really say? And then you forget, well, did God really say? And then you quit. But if you know you got a word from God, God told me I'm going to get married and I don't care if I'm 69, I'm going to get married because I got a word from God. God said that we're going to conceive. I don't care what the doctors say. We got a word from God and we're going to keep practicing and we're going to conceive in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, when you got a word from God, you keep going. You keep plowing. You keep plugging. You keep pulling. You keep going forward because you got a word from God. And don't let nobody talk you out of that word from God. Hallelujah. You got a word from him. Now, now I need to, I need to put a disclaimer here because I'm a good pastor. If your word don't line up with the Bible, then you made up something, Okay. That's the word you just made up. It's got to line up with the Bible. And the people that are close to you, you know, your, your, your close friends, they, they, should be, they should be in agreement with that word. You listen to, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about Pookie and Ray Ray. I'm talking about the ones that are close to you. If you got a word that, that, you know, people around you, like, I don't know about that, you might need to heed. Slow down. Pause. When I got the word to leave my six-figure paying job to go into the ministry, some of my closest friends were like, that sounds like God. You ought to do that. You ought to, you ought to go through it. My wife agreed with it. And, and, and so we were in agreement. Let's do this thing. We got a word from God, and we've been walking on C-O-M-E ever since, praise God. We're walking on the word of God. And so Peter began to walk on the word. He said, well, Jesus said, I can do what he can do. Well, I'm walking on the water. I'm walking on the water. And then all of a sudden, Peter stops and begins to look around. Scripture says he begins to look at the, and see the effects of the wind. And he begins to look at the waves. And he begins to look around and see all of these distractions. How many of you know that there are more distractions today than there ever have been before? He begins to look at the distractions. He begins to look at what's happening around him. And he begins to observe what's going on with the predicaments and the, and, and the, the, the things going on around him more than he kept his eyes on Jesus. If he'd have kept his eyes on Jesus, if he'd have kept his eyes on the word of God, if he'd have kept his ears on what God said and he began to walk, he would have made it to Jesus. He would have received the end of his faith. But he got distracted. He got distracted. He got distracted. Steve, run up here real quick. Run up here real quick. Come stand right here. Steve Holly. Give Steve Holly a hand as he come on up here. Come stand right here, Steve Holly. Now watch this. And y- y'all may have to do something with the cameras, but just stand right there. No, back up some. Back up some. Right there. All right. Yeah, stand right there. Looking good, Steve, by the way. And so Peter steps out the boat and he's walking. C-O-M-E-N. He stops right here. And he starts looking around. And then he starts to sink. And he says, Lord, save me. Steve is Jesus. 
And I'm thinking, save me, Steve. And he grabs him and he pulls him up. Now watch this. Look how close Peter was. The Bible didn't say that Jesus leapt to Peter. Bible didn't say that he ran to Peter. Bible didn't say that he skipped to Peter and saved him. He said he just stretched out his hand. This is how close Peter was to receiving the end of his faith that all Jesus had to do was reach down and grab him. Peter quit right when he was at the end of his faith. Thank you, Steve. Give Steve a hand. Praise God. Peter quit right at the end. How close are you to the end of your faith? How close are you to receiving the manifestation that God has said you were going to receive? How close are you receiving that phone call that you believe in God for? How close is your auntie getting ready to receive Jesus? And you about to cuss her out, but she about to receive Jesus. How close are you to receiving the end of your faith? And right when you get so close, you decide to quit. You decide to turn your attention to the distractions. You decide to turn your attention to the news media. You decide to get involved in, into the politics, and you decide to now begin to get into strife and anger and unforgiveness. And you're so close to receiving the end of your faith receiving what you've been believing God for for so long. You get so close and you quit. But here's the great thing about it. Jesus pulls Peter up. He didn't let him sink. He didn't say, get down there. Yeah, yeah, I'm going, you, you're going to have to drown for a little bit. You're going to drown, you disobedient rascal. That's not what he did. Pulled him up. And he says, and he walks him back to the boat. And immediately when they get back in the boat, isn't it ironic that the wind stopped blowing and the waves stopped? As soon as they got back in the boat. So what was the purpose of the wind and the waves? To distract, to get you off course, to, to stop you from receiving the end of your faith. So he takes him back to the boat and he turns to Peter and he says, why? No, first he says, oh, you of little faith. If you study that out, Jesus said to him, Oh, you of a short burst of faith. You had a short burst, man. You were, you were on it, man. You got out that boat, and you, you took a step or two. You did more than I would have done. I wouldn't have got out the boat, but bless God, Peter got out the boat. He took a step or two, and he got there, and, and uh, uh, you had a short burst. And the bubble popped, like the balloon in China that got shot down. No, all right, the bubble popped. And... The bubble popped and you sunk. You were close. You had a burst. This is why patience has to be developed in us so that we don't have short bursts. And too often, many of us have had short bursts. Oh, some of us are good at starting something, but we're terrible at finishing. We got a short burst. Woo, I'm going to get up every morning at 5 a.m. to pray. Glory, hot I'm going to pray every morning. And then two days later, that pillow didn't got you. You had a short burst, a short burst. 
of faith. And Jesus says, oh, you a little faith. Oh, you have a short burst of faith. And then he says, why did you doubt? Now, why Peter doubted can be, you know, a conversation piece. Why he doubted? I mean, we, there, there could be some things in his past that took place. There could be some things when he was a child. There could be this or that and the third that took place. I, I like to ask this question. When did you doubt? Now, why he doubted and when he doubted? Scripture tells us when he doubted. He doubted when he saw all of the distractions around him. That's the moment he started doubting. The distractions caused him to doubt. Now, why he doubted could be the same reason, but we know when he doubted, when all of the distractions came. It's amazing to me if you read in Hebrews, it says that Abraham continued to believe. and He believed that God was going to give him a son, and he continued to believe, even though Sarah was getting old, I mean, and Abraham was nine, or Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90, somewhere around there, and they're getting older, but they continue to believe, and Scripture says that they grew in faith. Now, (laughs) natural things will tell us you can't have a baby at 100 years old. You can't have a baby at 90 years old. What are you talking about? They grew in faith. They didn't doubt. They got stronger in their faith. As we continue on, we should be getting stronger the longer it takes for you to receive the manifestation God has for you, the longer that manifestation will last. The longer it takes, the longer it will last, and the longer you will be able to participate in that manifestation of what you believe in God for. It's like a crock pot. I, I love when my wife cooks in a crock pot. The longer that, the longer that cooks, man, the, long, the longer it lasts in my belly. Praise the Lord. No. <laughs> that crock, some good things take time. Things that taste good, things that you want, they're going to take some time. Now, if you want some, you know, 37-second microwave dinner or something, then you're going to get the effects of that. But if you want something good that's worthy of, of, your, of how valuable you are, then it's going to take some time. And Abraham and Sarah, they grew in faith. Now, when someone is getting tired, I'm just tired of believing God. I've been believing God for, it's been three weeks. And I'm just, I'm just tired of believing God. I'm just tired. That's telling me that you have lost joy. Because joy is the strength that causes you to continue. Now you're looking at your circumstances. You're looking at the calendar. You're looking at the bank account. You're looking at what Pookie talking about. You're looking at what Ray Ray talking about. Maybe your mom and dad haven't said good things over you. And you're considering what mom and dad have said about you. And maybe you're considering all this other stuff that's negative And you start getting weak. And when you start getting weak, you'll start sinking. And when you start sinking... You'll drown unless you reach out to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. And he'll pull you up and he'll walk you back to the boat and say, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And you'll look and say, I don't know because I was so close 
to receiving the manifestation of what I'm believing God for. I want to encourage you, church, don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. God is right with you. Jesus is right there. The manifestation is right there. Remember, God is not preparing the promise for you. He's preparing you for the promise. Listen to me now. The manifestation is already done. He's preparing you to enter into the manifestation of what he has for you. You are always in preparation so that you can step in and receive what God has for you, not because of your talent, not because of your gifting, not because of your looks, not because of your education, not because of your bank account, but because you're ready. And he wants you ready. And you'll step into it when you're ready. Or if you're, if you, there could be situations, I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, there could be situations where the other person's not ready. And you believe in God for something, and it involves another person. And you may feel ready, but guess what? They might not be ready. And you don't want to encounter them when they're not ready. Because all it'll do is be a hurtful, harmful situation. And so, trust God's timing. Say this, I will trust God's timing. I will not quit. I will pursue with all I've got to receive the end of my faith. Hallelujah. This is how you receive, this is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.